BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Irvine. Hello, Ben. And Fernando. Hey, Ben. Thank you all so much for listening. Hope you're doing well out there. Got another great episode for you. Next episode, I want to plug it right now because we had a great conversation on our Patreon with the authors of a book called The Hate Next Door about a man and a wife uh, who infiltrated hate groups. And so next episode, we are going to talk about some neo-Nazis and this Utah man, Craig DeLue Robertson. Uh, who was just shot dead by the FBI after credible death threats to Joe Biden. We're going to wait until we get a little bit more news on that, and we will discuss that next episode. But all right, let's hop into what we got today. Holy hell, old people. (laughs) My Mm. God. So Mitch McConnell, we all saw him shard himself on national television, (laughs) pause for 20 seconds like he was abducted by the Monstars and can no longer play basketball. (laughs) That coincides with Dianne Feinstein. It's just so nice that we can go across the aisle. Mm. And shake hands. Both Democrats <laughs> and Republicans are so fucking mm. old. Ugh. They're falling apart right in yeah. front of our eyes. What a great uniter for the country. <laughs> Senator Dianne Feinstein was taken to a hospital after tripping and falling in San Francisco. Boo. To be Jeez. fair, I was in San Francisco with Travis recently, and I must say a lot of hills and I almost tripped and fell as well. But that yeah. is because of my <laughs> current weight, not because I'm 90 years freaking old. So why does this matter? It's <laughs> mm-hmm. not just about age. We talked about this on the last episode mm-hmm, or episodes mm-hmm. before. It's a national security yes. risk. Oh, yeah. And also these people have a lot of power. Before we get into it, let's play this clip of Mitch McConnell speaking <laughs> in Kentucky. And I've been heckled before. Travis, you've been heckled. Oh, Lord, yes. <laughs> oh, Lord, yes. I have never ever heard a crowd Oof. and this is a crowd of people who went to go see mitch mcconnell talk yeah, pro so mitch. they're probably <laughs> only four years younger than him <laughs> and this was their reaction when mitch began to speak let's just play the sound it's about a minute long and i again i have never this is like being the opening band for metallica in 1980 when everyone would just turn their back on you and be like fuck you let's get to metallica i've never heard an audience turned so hard <laughs> on someone i would assume many of them have voted for previously right right oh, all yeah. right let's play this it's, it gives me shivers because it just reminds me of stand-up days from the past <laughs> 
Oh my God. Hey, uh, hey God, how, how do you think the speech is going? <laughs> oh, he kept trying to talk. I know. Oh. Just, just shit yourself again. <laughs> oh, I feel bad. Wow. If he wasn't such a total piece of shit. Buddy, the grandkids don't want to hear it anymore. The funniest part is he's still throwing out catchphrases. You can be like, he's woke. And everyone's just like not having it. But he, again, the nice thing about how tone deaf these politicians are, it's not just behind the camera. It is also when they're right in front of the people. He did just plow right through it (laughs) as obviously everybody is, is, again, this crowd it's a loyal crowd. This is yeah. Kentuckians. These are Republicans. Right. And they might want him to retire because they love him. I don't fucking give a <laughs> shit. But everyone, the consensus is get the hell out of here. So the median age right now of U.S. senators, what do you think the median age is? The average age of a U.S. senator right now. Fernando? I, I just saw this statistic recently and I was shocked by it, but I know it's like 75 or some really dumb number. Irvine? Yeah, I'm going 77. You're going 77. Well, you guys did overshoot it a little bit. It's 65. That is a record high. The median age for the House of Representatives is 58. Uh, This obviously is not reflective uh, of the society as a whole. And it's gotten to the point now where even National Public Radio, NPR, you can hardly say hyperbolic, is asking, is it time for age limits? Let me put some context here. What is retirement age in this country, Ben? Well, I think it's 65, but they keep on wanting to bump it up. But so, yeah. so basically, we have people right. who are supposed to be in retirement yeah. making the laws for people that are going into the workforce. Yep. Ridiculous. Yep. <laughs> right. It's also it's the same people, again, who want to continue to push retirement off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, exactly. of course, as we talked about on the last episode, 30 percent of Americans say they can never retire, Oof. but not because they're in the Senate. It's because they have to continue to work at Circle K and make ends meet. So the maximum age limits are considered unconstitutional. Now, part of the reason for that is it dates back to 1995. Evidently, Arkansas attempted to deny ballot access to a U.S. rep who had already served three terms and a prospective U.S. senator who had already served two terms. So the case was brought to the Supreme Court in the U.S. Term Limits, Inc. versus Thornton. Mm -hmm. The court ruled that the framers could have created term limits for lawmakers in Congress, but chose not to, suggesting that they did not intend for term limits to be part of the Constitution. So with that argument in 95, they extrapolate then that they would not want age limits as well, simply because the framers of the Constitution did not put that in to the Constitution. Right. However, again, there's a lot of things that change. Right. And right. I believe uh, that many of those people died at 30. <laughs> right. Oh, wow. Different times. <laughs> different times. An entirely different world. And perhaps they thought there might be a level of shame within uh, Americans mm. where they would say, you know what? It's time for the younger generation to take over. Because, of course, George Washington, 
He was the one who set the precedent of two term limits. And he's like, I'm done. It wasn't in the Constitution. Right, but he's like, I think right. that's enough time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's plenty of time. You do your public service and then you get out. And that's kind of what the idea was until now we have our professional politicians like Diane Feinstein, your Chuck yep. Grassley. Yep. They just yep. keep on hanging on. And I'll tell you one thing, if Feinstein and fucking uh, if, if Feinstein and McConnell, if they die before Grassley, <laughs> I'm going to be livid. Yeah. Because all I said oh, yeah, was Grassley was going to die last year. And then uh, I'm gonna, uh, we lose all the roulette money if, <laughs> if Grassley doesn't die this year. <laughs> this is according to yeah. Jeremy Paul. He teaches at Northeastern University School of Law. He says when it comes to term limits, whether you're talking about adding term limits or whether you're talking about a maximum age, you're still changing the qualifications that are set out in the Constitution. Oh, I don't think the, the framers ever intended to have geriatrics running the show. Exactly, Ben. You 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 said it when you said people used to live different. Life used to be different back then. You used to die of cholera by the age sure. of 40. So the idea that you would be 82 making laws and arbitrating, arbitrating over anything is ridiculous. But we've seen this for a long time. Look at Strom Thurmond's old ass. That guy. I think he was 99 years old, true racist, bigot in every sense of the word, a horrible scumbag. And he just stayed there falling asleep at the desk. And now we're seeing it again with Mitch and Diane. So it's this is just it cannot continue to happen. And why are these politicians not listening to the next generation who just want appropriate legislation that's going to make schools safer, things of that nature, because they literally can't hear them. Well, you, I think with Mitch and with Feinstein, their party wants them to stay in power for very specific reasons, right? With Mitch McConnell, he's, sure. he's a longtime Republican. He's been in their wet since... He makes a lot of money. He, bread, he butters a lot of bread. What, 97 or something? He's, he's literally... There's people alive in office who weren't even alive when Mitch got elected. So this guy's been in there for a long time. He's trying to stay until the end. So why is it going to be difficult to get an age limit on? Because... It would require two thirds of both chambers of the Congress Oof. to agree to have an age limit uh, amended in a, a, an age limit put into the Constitution. They would have to amend the Constitution. And as we know, if the average age is 65, I have a feeling they're just right. not going to get two thirds. Right. I, the only hope we have is that this new crop of legislators, right, these new congressmen coming in, eventually they move up their ranks enough, Republican and Democrat, and they've got to have a consensus to basically stand up to their older peers. Maybe even this could even take 10, 15 years to happen until their older peers, you know, kind of a move on, shall we say. And that may be the only way to do it is with the younger generation of legislators passing an amendment like that, but that's going to take some more time. And it's also on us as a society, according to Damon Roberts. He's a PhD, pretty hot and and, uh, from Denver. Uh, He's at the (laughs) University of Colorado Boulder. And his research shows that there is a bias. Interestingly enough, it skews older. Mm. Recipients said that they prefer older candidates over younger candidates. When asked, a thousand recipients were asked, would you go with a 23-year-old candidate, a 50-year-old candidate, and a 77-year-old candidate, all who have the same policies, they went with the older candidate. And it trumped race, age, hmm. and gender. Wow. I mean, not age. I'm sorry. Yeah. It, was, it was political party, race, and gender. Wow. So age, I, 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 maybe is it just our old, like, is mourning in America. We've always loved our grandpas. Uh, we've never really elected right. a grandma. Hmm. But is it just ingrained in our culture to have old crusty men in the case of the white house just lead us to 
to hell, huh? I yeah. think we tend to think that the older means wiser. Right, Travis? Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Fernando. That's kind of the idea is they had the experience. Even with Joe Biden securing that Democratic nomination in 2020, they were like, well, look, he's been vice president. He's been in D.C. as long as Mitch McConnell, if not longer. Right. I think Biden first got in there as a senator in the 70s. Jeez. So, my God, yes, it's it's basically I think people have this misconception that age equals experience. Uh, and as we are seeing it play out now, we all know that age means you shit yourself on live TV. OK, I'm OK. I'm <laughs> yeah. OK with older people being in office. I'm not of trying course. to be an ageist here. No. My issue is, are they healthy? Con- are they healthy? Are yes. they conscious? Because in the case of Diane Feinstein, yeah. we have her daughter who has power of attorney over right. her. And that's just not that. That means you know what that means, Ben? Every yeah. senator is required to submit financial records and release where their investments are going. Because Diane Feinstein does not have power of attorney, her daughter makes those decisions for She's her. She's a senator who does not have body autonomy. Exactly. I what are we doing? That's right. a, a security issue, and it's not good for the American public. There's no checks and balances on a private citizen. There's uh, no com- uh, the conflict of interest that just arises from a senator not making their own decisions. Right. And, and I agree with both of you guys mm-hmm. that it is a national security situation. I mean, for Dianne Feinstein, look, she has a key position on the Judicial Committee, mm-hmm. right, that the Democrats hold a slim majority, 11 to 10. That's honestly what I've heard uh, and what I've read about. That's why they're so hesitant to just replace her kind of willy nilly. But look, I, like Ben said, we were just in San Francisco a few weeks ago. There's a lot of hills you could die on. Yep. And Dianne Feinstein, you trip and fall there. You're 90 years old. Woof. That's a national security emergency. And don't forget how she she messed up the hunt for Richard Ramirez. She has been screwing over San Franciscans for a long time and is just a corporate shill. And now at this point, truly a shell of a senator. Absolutely. Yeah. It is what it is. It's not being ageist. If they, no. if they were healthy, if, if all of right. us at some point we would live to the grand old age of 200 and we'll have a senator who's, you know, which is I also understand that from an age restriction yes. point. Yes. Maybe maybe we maybe we uh, split the baby here and we just do cognitive tests. Mm, I agree. Same thing with like driving cognitive oh. tests where it's like, can you. Do you know what meeting you're in, Diane? Right. <laughs> hey, Mitch, what is this? Do you this? know where you are Mitch, right do now? Do you know, truly, do you know where you are? Mitch, can you talk for four <laughs> minutes without shitting yourself? We put devices on the table yes. and go, which one of these is the printer? We and just if they can't tr- point at the right one, right. they don't win. We just have to treat them like Coco yes. the fucking uh, monkey. Yeah. Because it is like, right. dude, <laughs> we, like, put the box where they belong and then maybe you can still be a senator. Because these are, again, this is ex- these are hundred the hundred most powerful people in the country. Mm-hmm. Yes, and two of them that we know of are completely and utterly not cognitive enough to uh, to do the job. And it's ironic because so many Republicans have been dumping all over uh, John Fetterman, mm-hmm. who is still suffering from the stroke and working right. through it. And that's an argument that they're constantly making. So maybe a cognitive test, something that just says, "Hey, you know." This person is capable of reading, right? Reasoning, reasoning (laughs) and just understanding what they're putting forth. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or in Mitch McConnell's case, not just, hey, did you know you just shirt yourself on live TV? (laughs) Do you know you're talking to a crowd of people who are booing you (laughs) for multiple minutes and calling for you to retire? He seemed to not even hear them or understand what they were saying. It is absolutely nuts. I want to get to money in a second and continue to talk about the billionaires that are financing these people. 
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. But first, let's continue on with politics uh, from the uh, presidential level. Ron DeSantis, obviously running for president. He has just fired his campaign manager. And theoretically, this is a young (laughs) buck on the scene, right? right? Only in America. Is Ron DeSantis considered a young stallion? <laughs> because, again, it's Mitch and Diane. Right. Oh, Lordy. So um, Ron DeSantis, the troubles continue. He has just fired his campaign manager, and now he has a new member to his staff. It is his gubernatorial chief of staff, James Uthmeyer. He uh, he um, replaced Janera Peck. Hmm. The person's name was Janera hmm. Peck. <laughs> doesn't even sound real oh. <laughs> no, they, they might not be right i don't know he's just funds so funds. desantis again the campaign is in free fall uh between i would at least mitch had a crowd yes yes, yes. desantis hasn't even had enough crowd to get heckled he couldn't feel like three bleachers at least mitch <laughs> there was a 50 plus people in there yelling at him there you was at, yeah he's like well look at that i can still draw i can <laughs> still draw mitch they're booing you well, <laughs> Any reaction is a good reaction. <laughs> so they, that continues to happen with DeSantis as, again, uh, the money is drying up and his campaign continues uh, to make uh, he and I'm assuming his wife tear up because they are just absolutely bombing in every possible way. If he can't even be liked in Iowa, people that, you know, the Iowans, oh again, people who they were kind enough to vote for Rick Santorum. <laughs> I don't think his message <laughs> right? of psycho um, culture war bullshit is really going to fly nationally if you can't even do well in Iowa. I'm going to be interested to see how the Floridians that believed him, how they're going to react to this. Like, is he is he going to come back a loser or is he just going to come back? You know, is he still a winner in their eyes? Well, he can't run anyway. He's going to be term limited. So I think he's going to end up getting a job on Fox News. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. That would be something. Probably isn't that what they all do, That's- or he's gonna get a podcast. Ooh, <laughs> Megan, him and Megan Kelly finally. Oh, <laughs> all right. Well, let's move on to some more money men. Everyone's got their billionaire. There's this guy, Charles Kushner. He's one who is still a massive advocate for mega. He, uh, his family is worth 1.8 billion. He has given one million dollars to the mega pack. Uh, mm-hmm. There's another dude named Phil Ruffin who is worth 3.4 billion. Speaking of old as shit, he's 88 years old and he's a hotel mogul. Uh, he has also given about a million dollars. And then there's another CEO for Blackstone hmm. who is supporting Donald Trump still. His name is Steven Schwartzman. And uh, 
he, well, actually, he appears to be distancing himself, but is still giving money wow. to the Save America PAC, Smart. which has a roughly $35 million haul. Wow. So he's one of the uh, contributors to, again, the Donald Trump Super PAC. When it comes to uh, Ron DeSantis, he's got this guy, Edward DeBartolo. Uh, he's worth $3.8 billion. He's in packaging and in, he's in the packaging industry. He gave a million bucks to Ron DeSantis. And then you have San Francisco 49. And also, he is the longtime owner of the San Francisco 49ers, which is interesting. Mm. So he's a DeSantis guy, Vivek financing himself for the most part. And then there's this other guy, David Tepper. One of the reasons Chris Christie has been all over the news, again, he's paying for it, is because of people like David Tepper. Wow. He is another billionaire who is supporting New Jersey's former governor. So these men that are behind the scenes are now very public. Uh, there's another dude named Tim Draper. He's a venture capitalist and founder of Draper Fisher Jervinston. He, uh, he's got $1.2 billion. <laughs> He donated uh, $1.26 million to Nikki Haley. So even someone who's mm. polling at 3% can get a couple million from these people. That's brutal. I mean, again, like we've said, I'm very excited for our bit in San Diego. Check it out. October 20th. Uh, find your billionaire. I mean, that's kind of the game, right? It's find like, your fucking billionaire. It's like finding financing for a movie. Sometimes you see a really bad movie. Shout out to Killer Raccoons too. <laughs> and you're just like, how in the hell did this get made? It's because these filmmakers go and find some millionaire or billionaire to put money into it. Mm. And I don't know how, but some of these Republican politicians are still getting uh, major donors to Huge. come to their campaign. We'll we'll see how it pay, uh, pays off, by the way, in that first debate on uh, August 23rd in Milwaukee. Absolutely. And huge amounts of money. Why are we hearing Tim Scott's name? Tim Scott might have the richest dude of all of these people supporting Oof. him. Larry Ellison. He's worth 143.9. Got to get that 0.9 in there. Billion. That's oh. a that's a big 0.9. <laughs> it is a wow. point nine, And that's it, it is a big point nine. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's that's the Google guy, right? That's Google's Larry Ellison. The, he's the, the co-founder the and chief technology officer. He's a software giant of Oracle. Ah, and he has poured $25 million into Scott's Allied Opportunity Matters Fund action since 2020. So it's the uh, Opportunity Matters Fund action, which is a horrible name. There's <laughs> another dude that he has, Nelson Peltz. He's got $1.5 billion. And you know what he's the chairman of? Wendy's. Huh. So not Dave Thomas anymore. He's supporting him. He has given $20,000 in donations. And then there's another guy, Jeffrey Yass. 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 Jeffrey Yass. He's got $28.9 billion. He has also given $200,000 to Tim Scott. And another billionaire, Stanley Drunkenmiller. He's <laughs> worth $6.4 billion. Right. He's yep. a hedge fund manager. And he has given uh, $5 million to the uh, Tim Pack. So if you're looking at the money, I'm expecting to see Tim Scott get a lot more exposure. And if these people yeah. are investing, which is exactly what they're doing in a winning horse, I wouldn't be surprised if his numbers go up. If they start blanketing the airwaves with Tim Scott ads, maybe he is the new golden boy on the block because he definitely has the most billionaire support. Uh, I how does how does it work, Travis? You've had investors come to your movies, Ben. You've had investors. I'm sure you've had investor conversations. How does it work? Do I do? Does Tim Scott go and say these are my policies? What billionaires agree with me, or do the billionaires say 
here, Tim yeah, Scott. Yeah, who's wagging yeah, what? Yeah, the billionaires go, this is the policies yeah. you're going to have, Tim Scott. I mean, you can speak on that, Travis, but my understanding is half the goddamn time the legislation is written by the corporations and then they're simply signed by, uh, you know. By again, whoever's in charge. By the Mitch McConnells of the world who, again, don't even know, um, you know, when it's time to use the restroom. Right. And that is kind of how it goes. I think the billionaire talks most. I think the billionaire does most of the talking and the politician has yeah. to do a lot of the listening. It reminds me of an old Simpsons episode where Lisa Simpson witnesses her Springfield congressman getting bribed uh, by a lobbyist with literally a suitcase of money at the Lincoln Memorial. And that's more or less what these conversations are when Tim Scott goes into, you know, the Hamptons to meet up with a billionaire. Mm -hmm. I think it's not so much... You know, the billionaire does want to make sure the horse is capable and can, you it's know, not Ron DeSantis uh, horse. be a good can. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you do want that. You want to make sure you're putting your money on a horse that can run. Um, but after that, I think you just tell that horse which direction to go. And to that point, as we mentioned on the episodes before, Wilbur Ross, uh, he just had a real ritzy dinner at the Hamptons. Uh, that was this past Friday. That was, uh, and it was uh, for, again, Glenn Youngkin, uh, who we still don't know mm. if he's entered the race. So he has not disclosed how many people are going to be giving him money with his pack. However, we know that the people that were at this fundraiser, although it was not billed as a fundraiser, mm. okay, which is like, right? no, I'm just here at the old country buffet because I'm actually on a diet. Yeah. See, I didn't want to eat any of the <laughs> right. steak, but I just ended up getting a lot of salad steak. And you know what's shrimp Tuesdays? <laughs> My God, where there's smoke, there's fire. And where there's a buffet, there's fat. And where there's fucking billionaires, there's corruption. Oof. Absolutely. And in Youngkin's case, he's not officially a candidate yet. So right. this is that murky time, the murk where you're testing the waters. But as we know, when you walk through water, you murk it up a lot. And I agree with you, Travis. I think that Glenn is sitting there with his wife. Mm -hmm. Oh, they're treating us so nice, honey. Right. It's like midsummer, and it's like, mm. yeah, they want to eat you alive. That's the point. <laughs> yeah. So the the donors that the prominent GOP donors that were there, Steve Ross, Ronald Lauder, John Paulson. And Nelson Peltz, they have both said that they are, everyone has said that they are impressed with the governor. This is according mm. to a source. I, I don't know who the source is, but they say, quote, the governor impressed the crowd with his pitch for winning seats in Virginia's General Assembly this fall and was met with enthusiasm from the donors. He fielded questions about the economy, Biden's presidency and education. They, they dined on smoked salmon, chicken piccata, Berry pie mm. and Hagen dazs mm. ice cream bars. Ooh. Ooh, sounds kind of good. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to yum, be honest yum. with you, I actually don't ever, ever want to see old billionaires eating smoked salmon. Right. I think this right. just sounds disgusting. <laughs> the whole room sounds like it smells like fish. Mm -hmm. um, and then they're just sitting there covered in whatever kind of Thing, fumes that they have to have Cologne. on them so they don't smell like feces. Right. Yeah. No, it's a, it's so a lot Glenn of Youngkin, lip smacking, a lot of uh, taking out your dentures so you can chop on those salmon bones. <laughs> and to the point of age, Glenn Youngkin, to live up to his name, he's only 56. Oof. So people look the at him. Chicken. He's Ooh. a baby boy. Yeah. Mm, oh, my. Oh, so anyway, that is just another update on the billionaire class, the oligarch class, which I never thought I would be saying these words, but it just is what it is. Yes. Um, so that's who they are looking at right now. Expect Tim Scott to make some news and expect Glenn Youngkin uh, to uh, be the new golden boy on the block.
Yeah. And I would just, uh, I think we've said on this show before, but keep in mind with Tim Scott, and I, I agree with you, Ben, he's got a lot of money behind him, but keep in mind, he's got one other thing going for him. And that is he's the only non-Trump candidate who Trump says that he actually likes. And you got to wonder if Trump's really going to keep running away with this nomination, you know, maybe they try, maybe these non-Trump billionaires, they try to get Tim Scott attached to the ticket in some way as vice president. And then that oh can clear goodness. the way once Trump's out of the way, once Trump's fully indicted and in prison or whatever to be, maybe Tim Scott kind of then, as you said, becomes the new golden boy of the Republican Party. Yeah. Youngkin and Scott. Uh, that's just perhaps if you just, again, follow the money, which seems to be a pretty good indicator of uh, what is going to be happening next in American politics? And if you're watching these horse games, you know, he's a safer horse. He's not out there flopping like DeSantis. He's, yeah. he's he, I mean, he's doing the conservative thing. He's playing to conservative crowds, but he's not obsessed with the woke. Obsessed and I'll tell with you the, one you know, thing, right? man. I mean, it's not getting better in Florida. Uh, there's this guy, Dennis Prager. I've met him a few times <laughs> and he's a real social conservative, a Christian psychopath. And he yeah. has a thing called Prager U, Oof. which is not an accredited university, right. accredited university. It's literally a YouTube. No matter what the ads tell you, (laughs) Um, it's Trump University, but slightly (laughs) dumber. And they are actually teaching PragerU in Florida schools, public schools. Yes. It is a religious indoctrination and it's the dumbest thing our children can learn. So perhaps that's why Youngkin uh, separates himself in the minds of these billionaires when it comes to education and areas where even the wealthy class maybe are looking at education like it's something more important than what DeSantis thinks it is. Yes, exactly. Yes, Ben, Dennis Prager is a monster. He's obviously a big-time speaker at CPAC. Mm -hmm. He tries to court all the young conservatives. Um, I would describe the PragerU emails as almost predatory, as trying to suck people into thinking it's a real education. Yes. Pretty wild. It's real in the sense that they want your money and they take it. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, if you're a billionaire, you still need you still need some sort of workers. So having a complete class of imbeciles under you isn't in your favor. Right. You know, you need need some level of education so that they can operate the machines. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's the money front. As we've been covering this entire election cycle, they're not hiding anymore. It is what it is. And again, there is a reason that they're shelling out all this money. It's not out of the graciousness or the goodness of their heart. It's because they want something in return. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Speaking of Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. as Travis mentioned, there's been some new um, memos released when it comes to his attempt to overthrow the election. Donald Trump might very well be on a debate stage uh, dealing with unbelievable amounts 
of indictments <laughs> right now uh, in Fulton County. That is in uh, in Georgia. The DA in F- Fulton County, Fannie Willis, uh, they are expected to seek more than a dozen indictments. Uh, she's going to present her case regarding efforts by Donald Trump and his allies, again, to overturn the 2020 election. Uh, so that's a lot. So he's got 36 indictments in New York. Now he's going to have 12 in Georgia. He's got a bunch in Florida. Uh, this is like a lot going mm. on. Yeah. I mean, the the amount of charges within each indictment obviously uh, sends a signal because the more charges you have leveled against you within each indictment, it obviously increases the chances of, like we saw with the, the New York case, um, with the, the sexual assault allegations, that even if he gets away with one of them, he could still be found guilty on another. So right. that makes all of these different indictments coming from all over the country with all of these charges even more likely that he is actually, like we've said on this show, potentially actually charged and running for president from prison. And, of course, he wants to present himself as a martyr. The witnesses that Willis is going to call, the people that she has already subpoenaed, include Republican Lieutenant Governor Jeff Duncan, former Georgia Democratic State Senator Jen Jordan, and an independent journalist, George Chitty. All of them have testified before for a grand jury, and overall, Willis has seen 75 witnesses. Ooh, that's like a lot of witnesses. That's a lot of people. <laughs> so they are that's, building. That's a lot. They are building that case. And the reason that the case seems to be so strong is because it was done by a bunch of fucking morons <laughs> in order to overthrow an election. There's this lawyer. His name is Kenneth Cheesebro. <laughs> that's Pretty a funny cool. name. That's a cool yeah. name. He's a, he's a cheese bro. <laughs> yeah, you don't even want to see him around the Gouda. <laughs> hey, hide your wife. <laughs> Yeah, this guy, he never saw cheese. He didn't like cheese, bro. (laughs) He said that he had, quote, he proposed during an email, a memo. Okay. That he had, Mm. quote, a bold, controversial strategy. Oh. And and, and then he also said the Supreme Court would likely reject it. Oh, okay. (laughs) So it's illegal. (laughs) So it's like, but the way they just put it in writing. They right. It's that's a good lawyer right there. It's like I I don't think this is gonna work, but here it is in writing. It could be used against me eventually. <laughs> he says I recognize what I suggest is bold, controversial, and that there are many reasons why it might not end end up being executed on January six. He says it seems feasible that the vote count can be conducted so that no point will Trump be behind in the electoral vote count unless and until Biden can obtain a favorable decision from the Supreme Court upholding the Electoral Count Act as constitutional or otherwise recognizing the power of Congress and not the president of the Senate to the count votes. He believes that this can be achieved by simply keeping Biden below 270 electoral votes. But in order for for them to do that, they would have to flip out electors and put in Trump electors and go against the will of the people, which is completely and utterly undemocratic. And the, so fraud, they would have fraud. To fraud. It's yeah. called fraud. Yeah. So you can't <laughs> yeah. just be like, well, the thing is, he needs 270 <laughs> electoral votes to win. We'll keep him in two under that. How? Right. And when keep in mind, that was also part of that uh, weird lawyer who wore like the trench coat and wore the funny hat when he was standing next to Rudy Giuliani on January 6th <laughs> on the stage, that John Eastman fella. That was part of his plan too. the slate of fake electors. Right. We swap out. We have we have our Republican governors swap out the real electors for the elector, uh, electoral college, which is already just such a weird system already. Yes. But he wanted to swap out with a slate of 
fake Trump electors. And yeah, like you said, that's called a fraud. What the hell are they thinking? So again, Trump, is, he has 40 felony accounts with the Mar-a-Lago case. He's got the hush money case. And my purse, I don't, the classified stuff, he's just so fucking stupid. Yeah, that's just dumb. The hush money stuff, yeah, yeah, technically, yeah, you got to pay her yeah, off. Yeah. <laughs> it's the it's over the contract. It's the oh, it's really kind of the deal, right? <laughs> yeah, that's the contract. Technically, that was the only nice thing that he did was like give Stormy some money. Sweet. I said, yeah. I'd give her money. I'm giving her money. I'm giving her money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. this, all of it's significant, but really to me as an American, if I was a Republican, if I was a conservative, the attempt, the attempted coup. Uh, of the election on every level, whether it be with the electors or just straight up mm. physical force, this man can never, ever hold office again. Absolutely. I mean, and and to your point, Ben, you could be a Republican and pick and choose which one you don't like. Right. You right. can say, I mean, think about Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger. He's a Republican. He's he blatantly said, I cannot just go out and find you 11,000, 12,000 extra votes. If you're a Republican who believes in the rules, the rule of law, then boom, right away, Trump has violated that. And that's just in that case. To your point about the the, the stolen documents, the the taken documents that he was hiding, it was he was you told Sean Hannity. Sean Hannity was like, Well, you can't you can't actually do that. And then he was like, Well, I can Sean. I can. And I and I did. And it's like all right there <laughs> on TV and on audio. And he even lied to his lawyers. So, again, if you're a rule of law, law and order Republican, pick and choose your thing to not like about Donald Trump anymore. It is. It's just unbelievable. But again, he is still over 50 percent within the Republican primary process. <sighs> that being said, it, half of Republicans did say if he was found guilty, they would peel away their support from him. So uh, the more that this goes on. Um, the more it just, uh, he's still holding his rallies. People are still going. Mm -hmm. And of course he's pitching it again. Mm -hmm. Like he's the martyr. And right. this is, you come after me, you come after all of us. And I'm going to tell you this one thing, folks, um, they're not coming after you. No, they're going after him Yeah, because uh, he committed a whole bunch of felonies. You know? He's the criminal. And uh, this isn't the, <laughs> if you looked at his entire business record, uh, there's many reasons, many things he did that was criminal. And of course the ultimate irony behind all of this is he is the one in 2018 that signed the documents that made having yes. classified that signed the uh, the law that had right. says that having, having classified documents <laughs> in your possession, even as an ex president, uh, is a felony. Lock her up. He Lock is so <laughs> unbelievably stupid. He signed that law just as a as a clap back to Hillary Clinton. That's the only reason he did it. And now here he is. <laughs> oh, karma. Karma sure is a bitch. Indeed. I mean, not the, just a fun stripper in Buffalo. It's <laughs> democracy to me. Wouldn't it be crazy that if he were to go to jail and he got all the votes, he would be. That would be true democracy. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I would not like a president from jail. It just <laughs> has to be my president. Well, if it just has to be the one that's fought right. a good fight. Someone who actually goes because you're like, I think that's crazy what's happening with the gun. It's just opposite. It's bizarro world. And that for me is Joseph Joe Exotic Maldonado. If I'm going to vote for a man, a blonde in jail you. who's fought, who's fought tooth and nail tooth and nail. Yeah. I'm going to vote for Joseph Maldonado. Yeah. Did he did he give people pizza with spoiled meat on it? Yeah, sure. Did he kill a bunch of tigers? Yeah. Did he burn and kill his own alligators? Yeah. But let's think about what he didn't do. He did not try, <laughs> he didn't to, try to overthrow the country, Ben. He right. He did not kill that bitch. Carol he Baskins, did not. Even though he wanted to. And let's be honest. She seems like a psycho. Uh, but she didn't kill her husband. He's still alive. Uh, so hiding from Carol. Yeah. 
All right. Well, <laughs> let's move on. Lastly, to positive news. Um, Sherrod Brown is a United States senator. I like him. I believe we all like him. Uh, he has just called on Joe Biden. This isn't necessarily positive, but this is a good step, hopefully in the right direction. Uh, East Palestine. Let's Ooh. not forget what happened. People right. are still suffering there. He has called on Joe Biden to uh, use the Federal Emergency Management Act, a.k.a. FEMA agency, a.k.a. FEMA, to go down, call it a disaster zone and designate uh, federal disaster funds to East Palestine. Okay. He's trying to fight for the people of his state. Uh, this is what he had to say. He says that he wants extra federal help to ensure the community and its residents have the support necessary to address the ongoing challenges caused by this derailment. The toxic chemicals are still in the water. They're in the soil and many people are having health um, issues, obviously because of it. Brown continued. Nobody trusts Norfolk Southern. Absolutely true. Mm -hmm. uh, to do what's right mm -hmm. by the community and compensate residents for the significant costs, including health care costs that have resulted from the company's negligence. Understandably, this community feels left behind by both the company and their government. Interesting about this, obviously, Sherrod Brown, a Democrat. Many people, if they want to be hyperbolic, be a socialist Democrat. Now, nah, none of that's real. Uh, we don't even we're not even so, we're not so even far close. away from socialists. It's <laughs> like a state in this close. country. Um, but this is a conservative district. East Palestine voted for Trump. And still, mm -hmm. Sherrod right. Brown has put that aside, unlike what Chris Christie did with fucking Bridgegate. Right, right. Taking politics right. out of it and saying, no, we it's need to help people. these people there. Yeah. And hopefully, um, I don't want to make this, because uh, I'm not blaming the people there. They have their reasons for why they voted. I saw what the town looked like. They were in dire straits. Mm -hmm. They needed help. And this obviously hurt immensely the Norfolk Southern train. But I think they understand that, again, the company doesn't give a fuck. And if the federal government doesn't do anything here, uh, it'll be a grave injustice to the people of East Palestine. And this would be great also from just a political perspective, not to get, I hate politics in this sense. It's good optics. Yeah. Just show so up help and them fix out, it. Joe. Just show up and fix it. We went to a red part of a red state and we helped these people. It's just show them that you care. Right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and the fact that it's taken this long for FEMA to actually declare a, a federal emergency, you know, what that does and what uh, Senator Brown is trying to make clear is that when you declare a federal emergency, it opens up all sorts of federal resources for this area. And in a rare showing of bipartisanship, it was actually Governor Mike DeWine, the Republican, um, who actually asked FEMA for this declaration. And so part of this letter is Senator Brown, you know, uh, Senator Brown beat Mike DeWine for that Senate seat way back in 2006. They've obviously put that aside mm -hmm. to make it better for the residents in East Palestine. And mm -hmm. that's what Senator Brown was writing President Biden about. It's just like, hey, it's been a month. What's taken so long? Let's hurry up. We got to get these resources yeah. to these people. And now it's been many months, right? Yeah, it's been many months. Um, well, many months, but it's been one month. It's been one month since Governor DeWine asked for the actual federal emergency got declaration. Got so you. even Thank you. even then, but but to, but you're absolutely right, Ben. It has been since February that these wow. poor folks have been struggling with that with that environmental crisis. Yes. All right. So let's continue with Ohio. This is good news, Travis. Can you explain a little bit about what Ohioans voted on uh, recently? And then I want to play this sound from this guy Larose who is running potentially to unseat Sherrod Brown. He was on uh, Fox and Friends in the morning. And uh, again, he uh, we'll just play it and we'll, we'll uh, talk about it. But talk about what happened with Ohioans and their vote. 
Absolutely. So this is the only major August election in the nation this year. We talked about it uh, on the last show. Issue one was basically an attempt by the Republicans who are in super majority control of the state of Ohio, as we've talked about on this show many times as well. And what they try to do is they put in this August special election as a way to circumvent another election that's happening in November, which is usually when elections happen. But in November, Ohio will be voting on abortion rights and adding abortion rights, uh, reproductive rights to our Constitution in that they will be protected. So what the Republicans tried to do is raise the threshold for constitutional amendments to even be passed. For 111 years, Ohio has had this right, this direct democracy right to amend our Constitution via the ballot box. And it's always been 50% plus one. That's a majority. And of course, an amendment wins. That's how it is in America all the time. But what the Republicans try to do is something they've actually done in Ron DeSantis's Florida. And that Mm. is up the threshold to 60%, which means that the abortion amendment in November would have to clear that 60% hurdle. Mm. And as we know, Since the Dobbs decision last summer, uh, even places like Kansas and Kentucky have protected abortion rights, but they've done so over 50 percent, but they have not cleared a threshold as high as 60 percent. So that is why the Republicans try to put issue one uh, into the Constitution with this special August election. And thankfully, Ohioans from all political classes from all over the state, uh, they did show up in what is usually a sleepy time for elections. I think the turnout was 35%. It wasn't quite 40%, but still very good for a special August election. And they defeated issue one resoundingly. Uh, I believe the final total is about 57% voted no on issue one to this uh, constitutional amendment overhaul uh, compared to 43% voting yes. So that's what's so fun about it. Interesting. These Republican establishment figures who want constitutional amendments to pass with 60% to fully amend the constitution, their own amendment couldn't even clear 50. They got 43%. So, And to your point, Ben, yeah. I know we're about to play this clip from this guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Frank LaRose is Ohio secretary of state. You may remember him from a couple episodes ago. We played a hilarious rollout for his U.S. Senate campaign. <laughs> uh, ben, he, shit show. he again took the Ron DeSantis route and went audio only, which Never works. And God, it's such a fun, it's so so fun to revisit our New York City comedy days and have Garfunkel and Oates playing on Frank LaRose's Senate rollout campaign. But Frank LaRose was a big cheerleader for issue one, and he kind of tethered his entire U.S. Senate campaign to it. And in doing so, I fear, actually, I'm kind of excited. I think he tethered his Senate campaign to an anchor and kind of just tossed it in the ocean because Right. His political prospects. Good luck moving well, forward. It, indeed, Frank. the people of Ohio are drowning and they probably don't need this weight uh, around their neck as well. So this is Ohio State, Sec- Ohio Secretary of State. This is Frank LaRose. He's on Fox and Friends discussing the failing of issue one. So your initiative would make it harder to change the state constitution. Uh, Right now, simple majority, 50% plus, uh, but you wanted it 60%. That failed. What's Ohio telling you? Well, I tell you what, 1.3 million Ohioans stood with us in another free and fair election. We released the results on election night. That's this thing we do in Ohio. Other states should check out. Proud to say that as Ohio's chief elections officer. 
But okay. you're right. The other side prevailed. This is just one Good battle side. in a much larger war, though, because the all-out assault on Ohio is coming from the no. radical left. I mean, look at the tech billionaires from California no. and New York that funded the No campaign, and they've got other bad plans. This radical abortion amendment this November that takes away parental rights. Uh, what? They, they want to bring a minimum wage increase, a massive increase in minimum Those wage monsters. to Ohio. that would put Ohioans out of work. And even the mayor of Cleveland said last week, he said the quiet part out loud, they want to do common sense gun reform, which means they want to disarm law-abiding citizens. So, yeah, we lost uh, one battle, but the war continues, and I've just begun to fight. So for- The war continues, folks. Uh, again, literally arguing for against things that the majority of Ohioans need. Right. And when it comes to minimum wage, it yes. is it hasn't gone up. Inflation is through the fucking roof. The average wage has gone down. We need something has mm-hmm. to happen. And mm-hmm. these large corporations, uh, the oligarch class that runs them, they can afford it. If you work yes. at McDonald's, there's no reason why you can't pay everybody 25 bucks an hour. Maybe it hurts your bottom line, sort of, but also not really. No. Now, a mom and pop, as we've discussed before, that might be a little bit different. But when it comes to Walmarts, all the vast majority of employers yes. in this country right. can handle a massive wage hike for their employees the minimum wage was never supposed to be a maximum wage and then when it comes to the dems they want rational gun laws They're, the reason that you can't get a handgun at 18 you can't get a handgun at 18 you okay. can't buy one okay but the supreme Good. court said well that's not constitutional so you can buy an ar-15 at 18 oh but no, you can't buy a handgun ugh. that's stupid that's not common sense so maybe <laughs> maybe we should look at that you got to rent a car at 25 what's going on that's that's what we need ideas on the table. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, you're absolutely right, Ben. I, and I got to push back on two-faced Frank, as we like to call him here in Ohio, on multiple points he just tried. First of all, you can tell already he's trying to do the whole Ron DeSantis anti-woke, anti-culture, uh, culture war bullshit. He's not ready for prime time, I'm pretty sure. He's not even ready for morning right. time. Um He's talking about things that the majority of Ohioans want. The majority of Ohioans favor uh, abortion rights, right? Up until a, a certain point yes. in viability. It's up to whatever. the person. Yeah. Exactly. And the majority of Ohioans favor a rise in minimum wage. Even small businesses actually really support it. And there's been polls done okay. on this. And of course, yes, as we all know from <sighs> polls all over America, yes, Ohioans actually favor common sense. Gun because, reform. It's very normal stuff yeah. that Frank LaRose is talking about. It was not. Yeah, go on. And and I, the last thing I want to point push back on Frank for is he was talking about how the radical left, how the issue one no campaign was funded by New York and California and D.C., oh, right. uh, liberal progressive think tanks. That is true. But the yes campaign for issue one only raised four point eight million dollars and four million of it came from an out of state billionaire from Illinois who has also funded January 6 mm. and Stop the Steal efforts. His name is a Robert Uline. Mm. He is just a real, real sack of shit. And he's an out of state billionaire who's sending money to Ohio. Right. So. Again, Two-Face Frank, more hypocrisy from Two-Face Frank. Absolutely. Both faces uh, hideous and uh, a total <laughs> and complete piece of shit. Really? All right. Well, there you go. Go on. Oh, ben, this would be a perfect time for Top Hat listeners to weigh in and tell Two-Face Frank how they oh, feel about yes. him. What do you think? I think that sounds fantastic. So, Travis, you have the... Now, this is fine to give out this man's number. He he's is a the, public servant. He's the spokesman for, uh, for Frank LaRose. Is that it? Yes, this is press right. secretary Rob Nichols, who is 
not a good person. He, he has been a real jerk to a lot of my favorite Ohio State House reporters. So, ladies and gentlemen, we want to send Two Face Frank or Snowflake Frank, as some of whatever us call, you him, call him, a whatever you want to call him. You know what? Let's 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 send him our condolences, and you can send those condolences to Rob Nichols, courtesy of his cell phone number, ladies and gentlemen. This is a fun thing we do here on Top Hat. We do not do it flippantly. We only do it to people who it's deserve his job. It. So yeah, yeah, public servants. Exactly. So please text Rob Nichols at three three zero seven six zero seven five eight two, and please tell him, tell Snowflake Frank we're sorry for his loss. Wow. And you can do that at three three zero seven six zero seven five eight two. Please tell Two Faced Frank we're sorry for his loss, or Snowflake Frank, and you can put a fun little. Snowflake emoji in there too, just to make it fun. <laughs> but let Rob and Frank know how you feel about issue one failing yep. and the failures of their own ridiculous policies. I mean, it's just when you Not when you attempt when you uh, uh, attempt to uh, upend democracy, mm-hmm. people get mm-hmm. mad. And again, that mm-hmm. is your right mm-hmm. to uh, to text that spokesperson, that press secretary, and uh, and voice your concerns because truly that is what we have to do. And if we don't do that. We're going to continue to have these horrible people winning, and then we right. lead to an 81-year-old Mitch McConnell getting told to retire at a <laughs> press conference that he thought it was where he thought he was going to be loved. So, um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back later on this week. Hail yourselves. Talk to you soon. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, Go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.